And welcome to another episode of the VD Clinic. It's episode 20, and you know what? Winter sucks. Yeah, you're not getting a uh, holiday episode out of us. We took you from our bonus commentary in the hot, steamy jungles to now we're in the snowy, not quite tundra. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, winter sucks. Yes, and with me here as always is Darren. How are you doing, Darren? I'm doing I'm doing pretty well. Luckily, today is not a very wintry day. It's yeah, more, it, yeah. It's like March right now. It's kind of nasty rainy here in New York. Yep. But, misty and not too cold. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect to uh, trigger a migraine. Woohoo. <laughs> That's the way I look at it. <laughs> I'm kidding. Or no, or crawl up with a good book. Anyway, which, so today, what we're going to be covering is not necessarily a book, but a short story. Yeah, we're going to another short one this month. It is Neil Gaiman's Snow Glass Apples, and our movie is the 2008 Thomas Alvarez's Alfredson, <laughs> I can't speak today, Alfredson movie, Let the Right One In. So I'm not going to even pronounce the Swedish title of that. So, yeah. Latin <laughs> Rate Komen In. I'm sticking it, Darren, with most of the, uh, the uh, Swedish pronunciation today. <laughs> I'm going to sit back a little bit. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but anyway... Uh, well, let's see. I, I I was talking over you. I'm sorry, but I believe the Swedish title is Latenrat Koma In. Okay, sure. <laughs> but I'm saying it like a guy that took Spanish in college, so <laughs> I I it doesn't it, yeah. But I will yeah. Let the right one in, like you said. Uh, directed by Thomas Alfredson, based on the 2004 novel of the same title by John Ajvid Lindqvist. Yeah. Who so, wrote the screenplay. Yes, who also wrote the screenplay for the for the uh, Swedish one. He didn't for the American adaptation. He did not? No. Or for the... Well, we'll get into more yeah, we later will. about that. But, um, yeah, so Darren, did you, how, how's everything been? It's been going all right uh, since yesterday. <laughs> yes, we're getting uh, over a little bug. Yeah, I'm getting over the flu because, uh, you know, it's it's winter time and I've got stuff to do. And that's one of the things about how winter sucks. And also a thing that about winter that sucks if you've got a kid is not to get on a big soapbox or anything. But there, <laughs> it is very valuable to the herd. If you keep the infected one away until they are no longer contagious. And I know, I know there's somebody out there that's sending their kids to school sick. And so. Yeah. Yeah. 
Not me. I'm like, yeah, you're still a little warm. You're in preschool. Let's fucking hang out another day. Yeah, that that's that just uh, ends up being a disaster. And you're right, gets an entire, especially that age where they're still you're still trying to really reinforce the washing the hands thing anyway. Yeah. And uh, yeah. But my kid coughs into his elbow and asks for hand sanitizer if he doesn't want to wash his hands with soap. I don't, okay. I, not that my kid's better than everybody else's, but... <laughs> uh, you know. Um, but anyway, speaking of other kids, Oscar... Uh, okay, so we, we're, you said you wanted me to read some of the names. Well, let's... Um... Did you have anything? We're going to take a oh, brief break, but did you have anything right. to say before? Did you have anything else to say before that? I should ask you how you were doing, which I didn't do like a rude dick. <laughs> That's okay. I just had a visit from the dancing fool. She came to visit. Yes. And uh, my mother. And no, she did not show up in clown makeup <laughs> at LaGuardia Airport. Hi. <laughs> That would have been awesome. <laughs> I wonder what TSA would have done. I don't think TSA would have allowed that. But anyway. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it was good to have her in town. And unfortunately, I've been so bogged down with work that I ended up working part of my vacation. And But she was nice enough to help out with that. And just doing some chores and stuff around the house. You know, we did, it, was just a, it was just a time to visit and helping a... Her game plan to so she can move up to New York because she's been trying to get out of Alabama, <laughs> <laughs> like the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I've now lived in New York longer than I lived in Alabama. So well, there you go. You're I a New Yorker. consider myself in New York now. Yeah, even though I have friends that say I was before that, but <laughs> whatever. <laughs> That's beside the point. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that's all I've been up to. All right. I guess that's enough. And uh, and I have to say before we go to break, I think it's pretty funny that we were watching the movie at the same time yesterday. We were covering it because you posted on Facebook that you're watching it, and I was like. <laughs> I was watching it then, too. How far were you in? I was almost finished. Okay. I was halfway through it when I posted. Yeah. I, I probably had about 20 more minutes of the movie. And you did. Yeah. But it was still really close. But yeah. Yeah, I was, I was saying we were we synced up like periods. <laughs> like, it's only a matter of time. Right. I, I grew up in a house full of women. I know how that works. Well, great minds think alike, I guess, or <laughs> slackers wait to the great slackers wait to the last minute. <laughs> well, part of it is, and we'll get into this after the break, but I just enjoyed this movie so much. That was the second time I watched it in three days. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay, then. Yeah, you on, might on... not be a fan, and we're going to find out when we come back. Okay, on that note... We're going to take a brief break and we will come back with the movie in a moment. Hey, you podcast listener. Yeah. Hey, listen up. Hey, 
Shut up. <laughs> I know you're looking for new things to binge. And purge. <laughs> <laughs> Gayish is about gay stereotypes. We've talked about depression, drag queens, uh, butt stuff, fisting, animals. Uh, fisting and animals are two different episodes, <laughs> just to clarify. You can find us on iTunes or wherever podcasts are given away for free. Tell your mom. She's probably gay. <laughs> And we are back with, we are starting with the movie portion of the show. So, uh, as we said beforehand, I don't know how you might accidentally have skipped ahead and not read the title of the episode, but we are doing Let the Right One In from 2008, directed by Tomas Alfredson, screenplay by John Avid Linkvist. And novel. And novel, which I don't know if we would have been. It's it's a little bit of a longer book. It might have been hard to do do that for the show. But uh, if if you want us to pair the book with a different movie, uh, write write to us at. Uh, I I could think of something. I mean, there there was another vampire movie we almost paired with this short story. So who knows. I, I, you finish the names and everything. I have some, I have a lot to say. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, all right. So let the right one in stars. Kare Hedebrandt as Oscar. 
Lena Leanderson as Ellie, although Elif Kalan is credited as Ellie's voice and Suzanne Rubin as aged Ellie. Uh, pair and other than this, I probably couldn't even tell you who these characters are because of their names aren't easily recognizable to me, but Per Ragnar as Hakan, Henrik Dahl as Erik, Karen Berkvist as Yvonne. Is that the lady? Yes. The, un- the unfortunate gets lady? Turned. Okay. Gets turned? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Peter Karlberg as Lach, Ika Njord as Virginia, and then there's a whole lot of other people. Yolk is the the one first one we see her killing. Okay, yeah, Michael Ram is Yolk, and Gosta is that the taxi driver? I don't know, but Connie is another one of the ones that you regularly see too. Uh, I know that Patrick Reedmark as Connie, uh, Soren Kalstigan as Eric's friend, and I think Martin. Martin's one of the dickhead kids, right? Oh, yes. There's Mikael Erhardson. So the basic story of this is it's Sweden. There's a 12-year-old boy named Oscar. And he befriends an interesting creature named Ellie, who is 12 but has been 12 for a long time. More or less. <laughs> and I, and as uh, Ellie says, more or less. Yeah, more or less. I'm not a girl. Um, and yeah, uh, I, I think everything else will come out in the conversation. But should I add more to the plot? Before we get into the conversation? No, I think, that, I think that's, I think that's, uh, yeah, that's a good place to start. Okay. You said you had a lot to say, so let's let's springboard from that. Well, so I love vampire movies. Well, actually, I just love vampires in general, okay? There is so much with the mythos worldwide that is incredibly fascinating to me. I've even done, like, a series of paintings uh, incorporating elements of this this comes this this comes this bit of information comes back later on in the conversation we're going to have as this movie goes on okay. but um there so there's a reason I'm telling you that but no it, and and it's interesting to me it's just completely a fascinate something very fascinating to me and how it it all these cultures worldwide mm-hmm. use this blood sucker eternal being in different ways, but there's the certain things that are common and it's interesting to see for me. I haven't read the, I haven't read the novel of this, which I do want to read the novel at some point. Yeah. But I haven't read this yet. So I do. And I've seen the American version. Let, let me in. It's which been was a made, while since I've seen yeah, it. Yeah. That's made like I have it and I haven't even, I was going to try to watch it, for this but i just with my mom around i kind of ran out of time because she's not a, not much of a horror fan but um <laughs> other than hitchcock um so 
but anyway, I think part of what draws me to the vampire mythos um, is this element of the outsider and the way that the vampire has been used in literature and film and art to represent something that's taboo in culture. And for, like I was talking about with the women in prison, the haunting and then like the women in prison <laughs> with <laughs> Big Dollhouse, like there's a certain amount of like the lesbian vampire movies. And that was a certain amount of lesbian van the visibility that we had in film mm -hmm. and and in literature as well that goes back to Carmilla, which you know victorian way of dealing with lesbianism and it predated dracula you know which was still even just openly like trying to talk about sex in a you know this puritanical kind of regime and atmosphere so it still served that taboo purpose. But one thing I find so fascinating, and I had only seen this film once before, and I had kind of forgotten certain things about it, but I, I, it's just, I, this film to me, I wonder how much, how popular it is in, with trans and gender nonconforming people. Because their representation of a vampire, you even, Ely is, is, even when it comes up that says something about be my girlfriend and she's like, well, what if I'm not a girl? And it's kind of, you know, it's, it could referring to, well, I'm not a human as you know me, I'm not a human girl, but also, I mean, as we do later find out the, you know, potential gender reassignment or there's that element. And I could see that speaking to, it's a, it's an interpretation. I, I mean, I've seen it in other kind of, there are some other vampire things that do play on gender identity and gender representation and but not necessarily to the degree that this does and i'm just curious what portion like i said of a trans or gender non-conforming community like what it does it have a cult following there that's a good that's a good question because yeah uh i think I, I know the scene you're talking about is after Ely uh, does the vampire thing of, which I think earlier on she says something about, I'm not a girl. Right. And then, yeah, when sh she climbs in through his window, mm -hmm. or they, do, are we going to say Ely she or Ely, Ely well, they? Or... That's just it. That And I wanted to ask you, because Ely is female presenting... But the pronoun, the pronouns, I don't think are completely clear in the movie. No, I don't know if. It's very subtle. Yeah. 
there are some places where it is purposely the pronoun game of what L just any LGBTQ person goes through, whether it's, you know, because of your, you know, dealing with sexual orientation or, you know, gender identity, there's a certain amount of that community that plays the pronoun game with the way that they talk about themselves or people in them, their lives. Yeah. Well, I don't know if, like you said, Ellie Ely so, is, is presenting. Yeah. So I think, I don't think it would be incorrect to, to refer to Ely as she. Okay. However, Ely might also prefer to use they and their as pronouns as well. Yeah, that's... Uh... I'll probably, I've been trying to more often in everyday life anyway, say they in there. Yeah. So we'll see where we go with they, there, Ely, and female presenting, but says I'm not a girl. Uh, but yeah, they're laying in bed and like, would you like me anyway if I wasn't a girl? And I think that's when yeah. she ate the candy for him. Right. Because he was being all pissy and moany that they wouldn't eat it <laughs> right and ellie does a whole lot in this movie to fluff oscar's ego a little bit yeah oh god yes uh and he is understandably a very insecure young man because he's got these little fuckers that oh my god i think okay very Here beginning of the movie Okay, this is what I screamed at the TV when I was watching the movie last night. I said, well, those are just a bunch of prepubescent Nordic thugs. <laughs> <laughs> and the cat looks at me like I'm crazy <laughs> as I'm saying that. But I was like, you guys are a bunch of little fucking shits. They're just, they're the worst. Because it's not even just everyday bully stuff right i mean his clothes are in the urinal seemingly soaked with piss they they have a what kind of switch and are like lashing him with it yeah just like, like stand here. on the face too not uh -huh. just on the body it's like that's pretty harsh and who fucking does that i don't know like it's it's that and that little fucker, and he's he's one of those little kids that, yep. by himself, is nothing, and, and that's he has, the bully. And he has his little toadies, and he has his big thug brother, who yeah. ultimately comes at the end oh. to pra to practically kill Oscar. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's gonna drown the kid before he's gonna like cut him. Yeah. And there's already there's already a fire involved, and <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I, do we do spoiler warnings on this show, or is it just a given? Well, we've kind of if it's something brand new, that's a different story. It's true. This is quite old. This is ten years old. Yeah. Um. Can we before we go any further? I have to crack. I had to crack up at the opening of the movie. Where that near the beginning, where you see Oscar in the classroom, and there's the cop up there talking about like arson victims mm -hmm. and how they died, 
And Oscar knows like the correct forensic answer of how they <laughs> figured out the crime. And I'm like, yep, that was me growing up. Cause the cops like, that's correct. How did you know that? And he's like, I read a lot. Read a lot. And I'm like, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> I would have been that same kid. But I will say, I wasn't the kid with the little scrapbooks like he had going. I wasn't that. <laughs> I wasn't that bad. Yeah, yeah. He's, I mean. He's, he's a bit much, but. <laughs> which uh, Ellie gets to later on when they say we are kind of the same person. Right. You just don't act on it be like yeah. me for a little while i like that right. line um yeah and just i don't know little shithead kids but yeah they they make they bully oscar in many ways what else do they do they call him piggy oh yeah that's their favorite and they poke him and just flick him and just make him feel like at any moment he could just get a hockey stick to the back of the fucking head. And yeah. Uh so he spends his evenings pacing his room in his underpants with his knife. Like any kid that totally won't end up becoming a serial killer. Later <laughs> <would do. laughs> it was a little troublesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he goes out and he practices with the the pole the telephone pole or whatever it's a tree the tree it was at a tree yeah it was a tree it yeah. and i was kind of like you know what just fine stab the tree get it out of your system just leave it there just don't let it go to animals or people <laughs> don't go after those questionably cgi cats oh my god okay i have something to say about that <laughs> <laughs> And you see in other vampire things where, like, cats will hiss at vampires. And when they're, they, you have Yvonne come back, who's, like, post-bite or whatever, and she's been turned. And she goes into that cat man's apartment <laughs> where he's got, what, 20 cats or something outrageous? Something like that, yeah. It, right. It's something ridiculous. She gets mauled by all the cats, and I know they can't just fling real cats. <laughs> I know that. And I don't, I mean, as a, not just as a pet owner, but I'm like, no. Um, it's still, oh, they're so bad. Because it's a mix of bad CGI and bad puppets that are almost as bad as that, what was that, did it come out in like 1987, that Kiel, that demon cat movie the uninvited or something oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a demon it's like implanted in the cat's mouth and it's like ah, and some cat puppet i mean it's just ridiculous we're not much better than that in this movie yeah and it's so much so much of the and it other sticks effects out. are very subtle and artistic yes that's exactly what i was gonna say it sticks out because everything else that's an, an effect in here is nice and subtle or it's smooth. It's yeah. this isn't. This is just so not. It, and it is laughable. 
<laughs> I know you I don't. Mean, I, had, I had to stop the movie because I had tears rolling down my face. <laughs> yeah, I, I know you don't watch uh, the Harry Potter movies, really. Um, but a decent amount of our listeners, I think, do. This is like Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets or... Uh, what's the first one? Uh, Harry Potter part one, bad CGI level. <laughs> yeah. It's just, oh, there's a person. Oh, look, there's the fake. There's the fake. There's the fake. Oh, it's back to real. It's, I mean, it is of that time. I feel like there was some stuff that was breathtakingly amazing before that. Right. But it didn't get, yeah, the, it didn't get, yeah the cats the cats stand out because generally i know that the cinematography isn't in charge of the special effects but uh hoyt von hoyterma is the cinematographer of this yeah. and i feel like so much of this movie is framed just so beautifully and bleak and they could oh, they could all be a print on your wall oh yes yes and then there's the funny cats but, you know, Ely's oh, eyes when they're in the dark room before Oscar does the crazy shit, which I guess he didn't know. Mm -hmm. But yeah. it's not necessarily a good idea to slash your hand open when you're alone with a vampire. Right. Just saying. Hashtag just saying. As, <laughs> as you see, as the kids do. Um, and like. I mean, since we're talking about the special effects, the slash when he's getting whipped with the reed. Yeah. That's not obviously a ridiculous. And they keep up with that. You know, he's got the Band-Aid and then he's got the not totally healed scar by the right. end of the movie. And the blood, the uninvited blood, the thing that happens when he's right. being all... No. So she just fine. I'll show you how much I give a shit about you, you dick. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah, I don't know. This is kind yeah. of a love story, right? It is. I mean, just a twelve-year-old love story. To some degree, IMDb describes it as a romance. Uh, I, I don't see it. I mean, there's a little bit, but I. That's not. It, that's such a minor it's i see friendship as a bigger yeah like driving force because really he needs a he needs a friend and that's what she offers yeah and she and that, and, needs to replace her renfield well, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I was just going to say that. She needs to replace her Renfield after her other one gets, he was sloppy the first thing you see. And then the second time you're just like, dude, like, you should have. not trying anymore. Not even trying. You should have had this down pat by this point. You're being awfully stupid. Trying to, yeah. trying to get yourself fired. Well, Yeah. Not a vat full of acid, but a little bit of acid on your face and just maiming <laughs> yourself. Yeah. Oh. But at least he did sacrifice himself, you know, to to Ely in the end. Yep. That's, yeah. And that's, I guess it's those those little aspects that are sort of more in the background mm -hmm. that, I, that make me, 
I don't. Yeah, I, I w- don't want to call it romance because no twelve year old knows what fucking romance is. It's it's like a intense right. affection or whatever. Like when Oscar becomes that old sad man who feels like he's being replaced. Yeah. It's not a fatherly or even friend thing because there can be only one Renfield. Exactly. There, there's not, it's like Highlander. Yeah. The quickening. <laughs> you, do you have a bad Sean Connery trying to do a uh, <laughs> whatever weird accent he was doing in there? Oh, oh, the Spanish Egyptian. <laughs> Ellie. Ellie. <laughs> Eat my candy, Ellie, or I'm going to piss and moan. And swim around in my speedo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> With my mouth open all the fucking time drinking the pool water. Thank you. I was noticing that too. That really bothered me. Yeah. I, I, not that he deserved to be treated like he was treated, but he's... No. He, the, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> he's got a haircut like he's in... Uh, What's that fucking South African rap band that everybody likes? Oh, I don't know. Diantverd. He's got a haircut like the girl in Diantverd. And uh, I think that's the name of it. I don't know. Anyway, he's he's an interesting young man. He definitely, I guess, if he does end up becoming Renfield, I guess it's going to be serial killer with a purpose. But I feel like he's on the path to suicide or murder. I think that's where Oscar is. I don't know. Well, yeah. He's got he's got a great well, although his mom yells at him after a while, but did he he sort of disappeared for a couple days. Is that is that what we're to understand from when he goes back and his mom yells at him and he shuts the door? Well, that he's at least disappeared, like, if he didn't come home overnight or something. Okay. I didn't think it was maybe, like, days, but I just even thought it was, like, he didn't come home, like, one night. Okay. And? And he just came home the next day. Okay. Which still would be very upsetting. Well, yeah, for a 12-year-old, and there's a murderer on the loose, but he's supposedly, his mom knows he's been in trouble, because he, okay, when he finally smacks his bully... Yes. Okay, because Ely has has <laughs> coached him and said you need to stand up for yourself. Hit back even harder the more of them there are. Right. And because she's a badass. And so he finally, after, I think it's Martin. Yeah, whatever. Shithead, prepubescent Nordic thug, uh, you know, boss or whatever he is. After he starts fucking around with Oscar again, Oscar takes up some sort of board or whatever. Oh, that was a pole. It was a pole, yeah, because it wasn't like a hockey stick or something. Um, but it was a pole. And he smacks him in the head, well, at the ear. And I say at that point, I'm like, you know what? You should have just hit his body. Because I'm like, no, you don't, <laughs> don't do that where it could, 
you know, cause permanent damage or kill him because you're going to get in more trouble. And right now you're just trying to make a point and you hitting him at all is going to be making a point yeah. because he's not going to be expecting that. Spear and him in the balls. Fuck it. Right. Right. Exactly. But don't do something. Don't like hit him in the head. I'm like, that was not the, that was not smart. Like, there's a there's smart ways to have revenge. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, this so is something that can easily be shown to the teacher. That you know, you can plausibly deny that anything happened to his testicles, or that he slipped and fell and broke his arm. Yeah, you know what? Because you're on ice with ice skates, that could easily have happened. No matter but how pole, Swedish you are, right? But a pull to the fucking face and the ear—that's yeah, not that, easy. That's. You, know. you can't do that to yourself. An icicle <laughs> fell off the garage. <laughs> but I'm sitting here like, no, this is how the kid needs to get revenge. He did it wrong. He did it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Next time you get revenge, make it yeah. like the pool scene. No. <laughs> Somewhere between you're gonna... hitting him in the ear and the pool scene. Yeah, right. You have to take steps when you're that age, like in like progressing as far as how bad it is. Like you can't just go right for, you know, <laughs> permanent damage like that. Sensory loss. <laughs> yeah. Connie, Connie is the main, the main bully. Okay. And I couldn't remember if Connie was the bully or his brother. Um, Let's see. Connie. I don't, I forget what the brother's name is, but Martin is the guy that pretends to be his friend to totally oh, that's fuck right. him over. Yeah. Yeah. He's still one of the bullies though. Really? Yeah. He's, he's not the, what the, and, and the one that sits, oh, we're, I guess we're skipping. Oh yeah. I don't know. We're all kinds of skipping around. We're all over the place, but, um, so yeah, the guy, the old Renfield who, is called Locke. The character is Locke or Lack. Yeah. We've already talked about their fumbling and the acid self-mutilation and the, the sacrifice and then the finding of the body that he fucked up and didn't get rid of uh, very well. But I don't know. I, I given, given the surroundings and the... Was that when the poodle was getting ready to reveal him? Yes. That poodle that just... That was his first fuck up of the movie. Okay. Oh, and then, yeah, he doesn't give the the kid enough knockout juice. Yeah, and then he's in the gym, and that's when he gets discovered and taken by the police. And he, like, tries tries to disfigure or kill himself with the acid, but he doesn't die. And there's the cool little effect of Ellie climbing the hospital wall. And so, yeah. Which uh, totally reminded me of, like, I don't know, Exorcist 3. <laughs> <laughs> like, the pacing of it, it reminded me of, like, when they're, like, whatever, the, old, the lady climbing across the ceiling in Exorcist oh, 3. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was just the pacing of it. Yeah. Well, and it's like... um the scene later on where she goes and like crawls up the tree and, and actually 
when I was talking about my paintings, the scene where she has crawled up in the tree and she's like sitting there hugging it and the way, and she's got all like blood partly covering her face and she, the way her eyes are just so crazed and everything and the hair that I did this painting, which preceded this movie, but the face on the, my vampire creature is exactly the same. It's nice. kind of eerie. Yeah, it's kind of eerie. But I it, I incorporated where the creatures I did were, um, it's based on like some Australian Aboriginal uh, vampire uh, creatures that are closer to like lizards, but they have certain like human qualities in certain rep representations. Anyway, so it was just really weird when I was watching that yesterday and I'm like, why did that not strike me when I watched it the last time? But it was just, <laughs> just kind of weird. I was like, wait a minute. What <laughs> was that same crazed expression? Yeah. Yeah. I, I like the blood effects in this, in this movie. I but like. that's what you're saying, though, is that the way the cinematography is, is that you could just take still images from this and just keep that as artwork. Yeah. Oh, so pretty. Uh, I feel like mm -hmm. the other movie tried, but didn't really get it. But it, it really has been a long time since I've seen that. And yeah, I know. I need to rewatch it. I probably will later tonight or tomorrow or something like that. I believe it's on uh, Amazon Prime right now. Okay. So I won't even have to look and see if I have it on Blu-ray. I've got this on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And the first time I popped it in to watch it, I was making some Christmas candies. And I realized that there weren't any subtitles. And then I realized there weren't any subtitles because it was playing the overdubbed version. And I got uh. very annoyed. And I I flipped through and got it back onto Swedish with with the yeah. with the proper subtitles because the voices the the overdub is totally not the same kind of delivery which yeah. is just i i you know it's it's one of those movies that at the beginning i'm just kind of looking at it and then i realize oh yeah there's talking going on <laughs> but i don't know where i was going with that as per usual oh yeah the the um, english or the american version with what Chloe Grace Moretz as right. Ely, which I believe I saw first. I think I saw that one, and then I found out that it was a remake. So whenever I find out that something's a remake, I mm -hmm. definitely go look for the original. I don't always do it the other way around, right? Um, and I know I have the book, but I definitely haven't finished it. It's, uh, it is more of a of a journey i'm uh, sorry did you say you read it or not i couldn't you oh, started to cut uh, out a minute yeah i have not finished it i have started it and it's oh. one of the it's it's in the the many spinning plates you know i'm i'm that person that has five or six different things going <laughs> no I, I i'm right there with you i'm right there with you but it's it's definitely i didn't put it down because I wasn't enjoying it. I more put it down because it feels like one of those ones that I'm going to want to just immerse myself in, in the middle of winter sometime, because it has the definite same kind of feel. You're just going to want to devour it. <laughs> Suck it dry. <laughs> <laughs> I feed off blood. Yes. 
Yes, exactly. But yeah, uh, this it's, it's hard to uh, uh, we cannot stop talking about this movie without the end. <laughs> Funny enough how that works. Uh. Well, okay. So before the end when she says that she's leaving or whatever and that he needs to leave her alone and all of that. So she assumedly just packs a bag and like gets in a taxi and leaves. Cause we see taxi leave. Yes. But she's, she's basically killed someone in her apartment while he was there. In self-defense. In self-defense. Right. Anyway, so she leaves. And so I think to myself, I'm like, well, how many fingerprints did, did, uh, did she leave behind? And do vampires have, you know, can forensics trace vampire fingerprints? Does that work the same way? <laughs> I really started like going down some bizarre rabbit hole. <laughs> no, I kept looking to see if she left footprints. And I couldn't ever see, but I couldn't really see anybody's footprints, but I kept looking to see if she left footprints or if she did the, the elf vampire so light, you're not even making an impression on what well, you're walking on. True. Cause like, look at the first scene where they meet, where she floats down, she jumps slash floats down from the top of this jungle gym and she lands, but. Does she really fully land on the ground? You don't hear an impact. The sound design is so just amazing in this because you just hear the wind at different times and then the snow and yeah, splats of blood and things. It that big it's very dead. it's very well done. It's very winter. It's it's how I would imagine yes. winter out just outside Stockholm. I forget the name of the the city where they are, but I know it's outside Stockholm. Yeah, and it takes place. Uh, was it 1982 or something? It's during the Brezhnev administration. Yeah, early 80s. Which I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Chairman Brezhnev oh, said yeah. they have totally caught the person that did it. Although this time they were right. Um, yes. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, hopefully you've, you've watched the movie if you're listening to this at this point, but it's it's very pretty and very cold. Like winter. Well. Yes. Yeah. And so, and, and so, okay. Something else. And tell me if I'm completely crazy in the way that I read this. Because I didn't remember it from when I watched it last time. Okay. And was, so Oscar spends time with his dad. Okay. Yes. There's one scene. Is that, is that Oscar's dad's boyfriend that shows up? You know? Because they're sitting there hanging out, or is it just a friend who happens to be a guy? Because they're sitting there doing drinks. Okay, all cool. But I could swear and maybe it's just me, but I could swear that, like, near the end of the scene, where it's supposed to be late at night, he, like, looks over and kind of gives this knowing look to the father. <laughs> like, I, I just could swear. 
there's a lot of circumstantial evidence that would lead to that conclusion. They they are very affectionate, although it is Europe. Right, I don't exactly. Want to sound American, but you know, no, 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 and that's why I'm saying, is it just the fact that he's European and they're tend to be more affectionate, except for the British. <laughs> <laughs> The English are not known for their affection, right? I mean, <laughs> that is that is not a stereotype of the British. No, um, no. Although the mother <laughs> and the father seem to get along very well for a divorced couple that lives close to each other, right? So, right. but it's it, it it. There's a lot of hints towards that, and then if we read vampire fiction as explorations of the spectrums of sexuality it's very easy to have oscar have a gay father and for you know oscar to be in a a relationship with a gender fluid person is that the proper term sorry yes okay or gender queer gender gender queer gender fluid gender queer um and there's that's another thing uh, about seeming that seems to go with the vampire thing is that sexuality is just a a, a word or the, why define something when you're 2000 years old uh not, you know there's nothing new under right. the sun there's and, and another thing that they had I like how they threw in that little bit of Vampires liking puzzles. So Ailey has the Rubik's yeah. Cube. Yes. He's very focused on it and figures that shit out really <laughs> immediately. And I, I almost took I, notes when, when they started, shall I show you how to do it? I'm like, I've never, I've never solved a Rubik's Cube. I will admit that I, I, I solved it, I think, a couple times, but... I did on one occasion take off all the stickers and put them back on (laughs) to make it look like that. Yeah, just, but I. (laughs) I tried that once when I was little and they all ripped because I didn't know. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No. Yeah, exactly. But I did eventually learn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I would learn to actually do it. (laughs) Are you a vampire? Maybe. Are you dead? No. Maybe. Can't you tell? <laughs> um Yeah, I I or maybe he's bi. Maybe he's just like he and Oscar's mom fell out of love and he met a right. a lumberjack or whatever they're doing out in the middle of nowhere with the plow and their motorbikes right. and yeah, that's just uh, the person he's picked at the moment. Um Exactly. But I just, uh, I just, uh, yeah, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> totally, I, I could totally see it go that way. There's, there's a lot of little, little. I don't things. know. Maybe there's something in that's, you know, more explicit in the book. Maybe because the book does sort of start earlier and end later, if I'm not okay. mistaken. And I think mm-hmm. there's even something that they wrote after the initial pressing of the book because some people had some questions right um and you know there could be i imagine connie and uh jimmy jimmy is connie's older brother's name they could have okay horrible uh parents 
Oh I, God, yes. No, I totally imagine that they have abusive parents, and that's why they're such bullies. And you know, they they seem like the Swedish, uh, whatever Bowers kid from. That's exactly what. That's exactly how I see them. Okay. Yeah. No, you are not wrong on that. So they, of course, this is Sweden. So everybody's got knives instead of guns when when there's youth violence, which I feel like is more interesting, and it sort of adds a bit of oldness. Uh, I don't know, that's not a right good word, but you know how vampire stories there's they they either take place hundreds and hundreds of years ago or right now. And yeah, having stuff like there being blades and not a whole lot of technology all over the place mm-hmm. sort of has that middle ground. Right. Uh, although that is also very 1980s. <laughs> um, <laughs> especially under Brezhnev. Um, but yeah, it's... Um, so the bullies, after Oscar has stood up to the bullies, and we think, but we don't really think, that they're going to leave him alone now. Uh, on first viewing, I don't know if I actually thought that some of the hangers-on actually left the circle of the bully. It's my understanding and experience that once people latch on to a bully, they usually don't leave them until the bully's actually gone. Uh, see, I didn't think that they would leave them. I just, so, yeah, I never trust it. You don't tr- trust them. Yeah, You don't trust a henchman or a hench no. person, no matter what. Because I, I don't know about the the little one that did the whipping and then yeah. at the pool sits on the bench and cries. Mm-hmm. Which, okay, so at the very, very end... <laughs> <laughs> the big scene where the bullies get theirs. I love that it ends with that one guy sitting in the bleachers, bawling his eyes out. Like he's going to go through <laughs> so much therapy for the rest of his life that it may not help. <laughs> I'm like, that is a certain amount of comeuppance as well. Because <laughs> yeah. you're you, you, so emotionally <laughs> scarred now. Great. <laughs> no matter you how hard it. they covered their ears or didn't open their eyes, they could hear. Was so. Uh, was it? It's Martin, whose legs we see dragging all the way to the back of the pool, right, and then his head I, fall in. I think so. A uh, really cool part because it goes to Jimmy drowning. Oscar, well, hold your breath for three minutes, fucking Navy SEAL. Um, right. And if you can't do that, whatever. Poke out one of your I'll eyes. just, I'll just, I'll just uh, cut your cheek instead of poke your eye out. Yeah. Which yeah. He t- I don't think he would have held. He doesn't seem to be an honorable person. Um. <laughs> you think? <laughs> <laughs> whatever could you? Whatever would make you say that. As as a person who uh, had flare-ups of acne, I should say someone with that kind of acne should have some compassion. (laughs) Um, 
so yeah, so yeah, we see Martin, probably Martin's legs drag through really cool special effect, not like the cats, and then the head fall through, and I it's and this is all underwater as we see Oscar being held down, yes, by the arm of Jimmy, and then and suddenly Jimmy's arm jerks and goes down like the leg and jaws the that really i i, I like that effect it's just yeah the, the floating dismembered limb with blood and viscera flapping in the water right and then Ely pulls up oscar and they it's <laughs> gets him out of the pool they look at each other and yeah, gets him out of the pool and little shithead is crying, wondering how they're going to explain everything. Because that's the one that worried about how they're going to explain everything to Oscar's mom after they cut his face with the switch. Right. And that, yeah, then they, uh, they get on the train and I looked it up. I did not actually write down the taps and slashes of the Morse code, but I looked up what people say the Morse code was that Oscar and Ely tap to each other. Yeah. From inside the box on the train in the last scene. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you looked into that or not. I saw what it said on IMDb. Okay. So supposedly it says, she says kiss. Right. And he says little kiss. Yeah. Okay. So we both got the same thing from different sources because I didn't go to IMDb. So who knows? Yeah, because he teaches her Moore's code at one point in the movie because their apartments are next to each other. Yeah. So they can talk through the walls. Their bedroom walls. Yeah. Although I I imagine Ely could do Moore's code from any wall in their apartment and Oscar could probably hear it. Uh, She seems very strong. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, and very agile. So probably not a lot of mistakes. But yeah, that is let the right one in. And one thing I wanted to say that I did appreciate with like the vampire kind of mythos. There's always that thing of you have to invite me in. Mm hmm. You have to invite me in. Well, which you see here, but they give you what happens if you're not invited in. And I don't know of anything else that does that. Do you know what I mean? Because, like, Oscar keeps saying, well, what's going to happen if you're... I mean, he's kind of a dick about it. I mean, a little bit. Yeah, he just makes a sound and beckons with his finger, like, show me. Like, come here, what's going to happen if you come in and you weren't invited? What's going to happen? And what happens, the side effect, is that she just starts bleeding. Out of everything. Out of every, yeah. Like her her eyes, her her scalp. Yeah, exactly. You know. She takes it. They both seem to take pain with silence in this movie. Right. Right. And the fact that you have a child 
vampire here. You don't get that that often, I will say. Yeah. It's not, you're not usually getting, it, when you get a vampire story, it's usually, yeah. It's usually, there's someone who's an adult. And who can at least somewhat survive more on their own or pass in society more on their own. Yeah, they seem to throw that in a lot of vampire stories, how it's culturally forbidden to have a child vampire or at least a vampire that can't survive on its own like an animal. Right, exactly, like exactly. Yeah, no, you see that not just in Anne Rice. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you that. You see that not just in Anne Rice, but you see it other places. And not just in Twilight either. Oh, God. Ugh. Can we pretend those don't exist? <laughs> well, joke's on you. Next month, no. <laughs> <laughs> and next one, I will be finding a new co-host. Yeah, Vanessa and someone else whose name starts with D. <laughs> <laughs> I, f I feel like we 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 don't talk about it but i imagine we each know we have a, some veto power <laughs> yeah i know um, but yeah uh i don't want to read those books i have seen all the movies as have i unfortunately <laughs> but worry not VD Clinic fans, I imagine we would do the Hunger Games before we do the yes, yeah, the Hunger Lames as yeah. uh, we should call oh, yeah. uh, the Twilight series with a very bad pun off of that title and a very good vampire movie called The Hunger. Um, I might have to make us do that at some point, but that's a whole other issue entirely. <laughs> that book is actually good too. Is it? Um, yes, that yeah, written uh, written by uh, Whitley Stryber. Oh, cool. Yeah. Anyway, we're getting <laughs> off of the topic a little bit, but sorry, that's okay. Gonna rein us back in. <laughs> so, did we have anything else to say about uh, let the right one in? No, I mean, totally check it out if you haven't yet for some reason. Yeah, I would I would recommend it as well. It's I, I know that subtitles throw a lot of people off and it has been a while since I've seen the American one, so I can't necessarily say this is definitely better than that one, but I'm sure it is just because that's usually how it goes. But I think and I think but I think with this character that the actress here I mean, and I do like Chloe Grace Moretz in some things, but I think the actress here works better for this character. Oh, yeah. And she's got, she's, I believe she's part Swedish, part Iranian. Okay. So that helps with the, the I don't know, what I would imagine a couple thousand year old vampire would look like. Right. In Europe, especially. Yeah. Um, yeah. really pretty eyes in a non like sexual way. Right. Um, or expressive, maybe expressive eyes. I don't know. Interesting eyes. And I, I feel like they play into that uh, other than 
in the dark room where they start to get all vampy until the lights right. come on. Which, right. Again, subtle it's special subtle. effects. It's subtle. Yes. You might have missed it if you weren't looking. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let yeah. the right one in. So there you go. And yeah, and for something that is is subtitled it, I mean there uh, there is a fair amount of action so that you're not doing like heavy duty reading in this one. Yeah, it's because I know Tarantino I know some, level of dialogue. No, <laughs> no, and there are moments where silence is very important in certain scenes. So for people who were kind of you know who see subtitles as daunting, I would say you you'd be okay. Yeah, that, I, you know that's thing i i would see that would maybe hold someone back but it shouldn't yeah you could probably have an enjoyable time watching this in swedish with no subtitles and get the point of the movie right right so there's a lot of act physical acting and you know body language and well and just emoting just... facially mm -hmm. yeah and like you said, the cinematography, you could just take like a still of so many of most of this movie and just have that up on your wall. It's just something to look at that's it's perfectly atmospheric, I think. Yeah. Well done. Yes. Hoyt von Hoyt Derma. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So on that note, I guess we'll take a break and then come back with our story, Snow Glass Apples by Neil Gaiman. I'll be right back. This'll keep it quiet. Oh, hi there. I didn't see you. You caught me cutting a new show. I'm Bo Ransdell, and I'm one of the many creators you can find on Legion Podcasts. I said quiet! My fellow podcasters and I work hard to bring you the best in horror podcasting, but that comes at a cost. What's that like to live deliciously? Not that, but also, yes. No, what I'm getting at is that there are server costs, costs for good microphones and software for editing, all the things that make our shows, you know, fun to listen to. And you can help. If you're enjoying the shows on legionpodcasts.com or in the Legion Network available on iTunes and Stitcher, just about anywhere you can download a podcast, really. You can help us out and get a little something for your trouble at patreon.com forward slash legion podcasts. For just two bucks a month, you get a pair of movie commentaries exclusive to Patreon. And for five dollars, you can also join us for a monthly screening of a movie. All of that available on patreon.com forward slash legion podcasts. We appreciate it. And thank you for listening. Now, back to the cutting room. My grandma had a Latin Christmas Eve mass. Oh. That was horrible. And those are so long anyway. Yeah. And you've got to get there. Did you go to midnight mass? Early. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's my parents' fault I'm up late. Yep. No. But yeah, midnight horrible mass with grandma. And that's why we have rebelled in her now. <laughs> you know that we are and we are covering winter <laughs> and vampires yeah. for the holiday season here in Christmas time where 
and Hanukkah time. Other, and yes. I yeah. watched the Hebrew hammer with my mom while she was here. She'd nice. never seen that. Yeah. <laughs> Even though we missed, we missed Hanukkah, but yeah, she was laughing hysterically. Yeah. A lot of holidays and, you know, so many deities were born on Christmas. It's hard to keep them all straight. So many deities were born on Christmas, had 12 apostles, brought people back from the dead, were born from virgins. And we won't get into that. Check yep. out my dogma episode on psychosemantic, <laughs> where I looked up quite a few different deities from around the times, pre and post Christianity that. That is a long and involved discussion we could have, but yeah. that's another day. That's going to be another day. That's another day, another book, another movie. I guess we have come back from our break. <laughs> as we in our as is our fashion, we never uh <laughs> we just start talking into it till it feels start right. Talking again. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh yeah, we're already back from our break. <laughs> uh so yeah we're back and um with our it's a this one is clearly a short story it is a very short story <laughs> but it still is a fable of its yes. own i would say kind of um yeah it's yeah it's snow glass apples by neil gaiman uh, this is essentially a retelling of the snow white fairy tale and it's just got a vampiric twist and it's told from the point of view of the quote unquote wicked stepmother. No, it's the stepmother, but who is wicked is in the eye of the beholder, really. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh. It's, <laughs> it's what it comes down to. And I, it's, interesting i never well my parents didn't read me traditional fairy tales but i i guess i got the fed the disney versions of them because i eventually would see the disney versions of like of course i knew what snow white was from the disney version well yeah hi ho but i was ne i'm sorry I was never, I'm going on record. I was never on the side of Snow White. You know, I was on the what side of the evil queen. Really? I was. Even in that one? Yeah. All um, right. She was the witch. <laughs> of course I was on the side of the witch. I was on the side of the witch. Of course I was. Fair point. Evil and vampire. Course. I guess. No, no, I, I get it. It's uh I I don't even really remember. This was sort of one of those background Disney movies for me. It was mm -hmm. maybe one that my sister watched, but it's not really one that I latched on to. And I liked the dwarves. That's really all I remember watching it for. I liked the dwarves better than Snow White too. Yeah, I had the soaps when I was little. They, they at least had the Hi Ho song. Yes. That was cool. And you know, they're they all have very different personalities that totally wouldn't really mesh, but they make it work. They're, right. They're a variety of people. Uh, probably See, in, inspiration for the Smurfs. Right. That may be so. 
But again, I was not on the side of Snow White. (laughs) (laughs) I dug the quote-unquote Wicked Queen, the witch, and the dwarves who are out doing their thing, whatever. She just fucks up everybody's life. She has to barge into their household. Take up their crystal coffins and... I don't know what she does around the house. I really don't. It's not like Cinderella. Cinderella did chores. Yeah, exactly. Well, I... She kind of annoyed me. But... (laughs) Vanessa I, 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 hates all well, that'll be a side series. Find a Disney princess that you don't hate. Oh my god. Um uh, maybe uh the, the the princess from Black Panther, maybe. Um she's uh, technically or Princess uh, Leia. Princess Leia is a Disney princess now, okay, right? Okay, I can get on board with that. Or General I, Leia, who is also a princess. Right. But an animated Disney princess. An animated one. <laughs> I'm hard pressed to think of them because I usually was just on board with the villains. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> I was so much more on board with the villains of all of, of, of just pretty much most of these Disney things. I, they're how I turned out not to be like a serial killer or something. We're not sure, but they're more interesting characters usually, but um oh see i'm I'm, yeah i don't know i might need a therapy appointment over this one or two (laughs) (laughs) well it's maybe it's because i wasn't really allowed to have the regular fairy tales because it it was my parents thought it was too I, i was raised very gender neutral in some ways you were not raised to be a damsel in distress i was not And neither was the nameless Snow White in this story. So anyway, in this story, Snow Glass Apples, written in 1994 by Neil Gaiman, it, well, it was originally released and it it says, I I read it was originally released as a, in a benefit book. Yeah. It's a comic book legal defense fund. Yeah. They're always trying to raise money to defend which was interesting I don't, I, I, I don't keep up with that so I don't know but th- where I found it and I completely had forgotten that I read it until I was rereading it but it was reprinted in the anthology Love in Vain 2 by edited by Poppy Z. Bright but it, appear, it appears in the Neil Gaiman collection Smoke and Mirrors that's how I have it. <clears throat> right. Which I also purchased because I didn't think I had it. And then I realized, oh, I had that Love and Vain 2 anthology. I realized that after the fact. So now I have it in physical form and digital form <laughs> in two separate anthologies. So <laughs> well, it's okay. I like a lot of the stories in Smoke and Mirrors. Okay. I ha- See, and I haven't read that. A lot. It, it's all little twists on folk tales and stuff like that. But I may. But you know, now that knowing that I've read this before, I realize I may have read some of his things other places and just not realized it was him. That's oh, very possible. I I have to say it's not an author that I'm. I, I know the name, but I have not read a lot of his work. Ah, see, I like some of his graphic novels. 
but mm-hmm. I think my favorite thing of his is still a collaboration he did with Terry Pratchett, and that's Good Omens. Okay. Which, yeah. if you've not read that, you've got no. to read that. It's, what is it again? It's called Good Omens. Good Omens, okay. It's by Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman. It is a modern-day apocalypse story that takes place largely in England. Okay. And it's, uh, I, I think the back of the book little blurb from somebody like Clive Barker or somebody like that is something along the lines of, it's as if, or maybe Douglas Adams. Right. But it's something along the lines of, it's as if Monty Python wrote the Book of Revelations. Right. So, you know, there's angels and demons and uh, the Antichrist and all this other stuff, but it takes place in 1980s or 1990s England. Mm-hmm. And witches and witch hunters and <clears throat> all sorts of stuff. Yeah, well, that's probably my favorite Neil Gaiman thing. Uh, I like Neverwhere, which is sort okay. of a fairy tale about the homeless. Like the homeless have a magical, mystical world. Yeah. Uh, I think that was also turned into a BBC. Anyway, there's a lot of Neil Gaiman stuff that I've read. Um, There was a while where Amanda was very angry with him because around the time that he got famous, he and his wife got divorced and he married some famous musician lady. Yeah. But they don't really seem to be connected. There wasn't any sort of, well, I'm just going to dump my wife and marry this super famous person. It was just, that's how right. shit happened. Yeah. Um, but he's written the Sandman comic graphic novel series. Right. And Which I am familiar with. There's one, it's a standalone. It's called Shattered Memories or Broken Memories. And it's more autobiographical and experimental, but it is a graphic novel. With, mm-hmm. with photographs and drawings and stuff mixed together. Right. Sort of like a, it's about a vague memory from childhood. But anyway, yes, Neil Gaiman, the comic, the comic book legal defense fund was formed in the eighties. I can't remember what part of the eighties growing up, my best friend's dad, and he still is a comic yeah. book, uh, a comic, a cartoonist. So it was formed in 86. Okay. 86 and it's yeah just basically to help protect the first amendment rights of comic book writers and publishers and stuff like that um that version is hard to get your hands on (laughs) unsurprisingly right sure um but anyway like we said this is a retelling or an adaptation or a spin on the snow white story that what is that one of the brothers Grimm collected stories yes it is and from the from the point of view of the stepmother i guess we should ask you should do you want do you want to say at the beginning or the end do you still side with the stepmother in this version yes okay um the princess is that how they she refer to her as the princess. Okay. So the princess bites the queen in her mound of Venus, which sounds sexual to me. Um, but it's what? The part between the thumb and the forefinger? Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. There's, 
we knew this was going to be relatively short because the story is short, but I mean, it is. Well, and, and I, I will, I, one thing I want to say that even though it is a short story, there's a lot here mm-hmm. in the description and just the atmosphere that's created. And when I was talking early, earlier about how vampirism is used to explore elements that are taboo and particularly like taboo sexuality. Some you see even just a simple, the way that you don't see it fully explored here, but there's a sense of this here that is tinged in, in other uh, vampire short fiction, particularly more, I guess, of the modern era of how it's an exploration of BDSM. So here you have the princess bite the queen or the her stepmother, because it's technically before she becomes the queen. And she bites her in her hand and sucks the blood. And then the queen says to my, says, I had been frozen by her, owned and dominated. That scared me more than the blood that had been fed upon. Mm. And it is, you see, that ownership uh, and that sense of domination of the vamp that the vampire takes of someone who becomes for better for lack of a better term it's you know it's renfield you know someone that it enslaves to be its human keeper or when creating another vampire but still what kind of carries throughout of oh you're my maker you have a sense of dominance over me mm-hmm. and being tied and you do see that carried throughout kind of vampire lore across kind of the world but there you do see it more shown in a more explicit sexual bdsm kinky way in certain um more modern fiction Hmm. just saying that (laughs) (laughs) i think that this uh anthology that i read it in there was another there was a story that carried it more in that way but it's still that sense of and and, and this comes up later on when she when the queen realizes that we'll call it they never really call her this but for lack of a better term snow white when they realize she hasn't been killed so the queen goes to confront her essentially with whatever poison the poison apples the magical poisoned apples you still have that here it's it's um she still talks about how she feels this pulse in her hand where she had been you know where she had been bitten and so and how it pulls her towards the other mm-hmm. so it's still this sense of okay i belong to you Yeah, and she seems, even 
somewhat that way, or at least resigned to their her fate all the way through, even at the end. That's, oh, right. It's just, yep, this is how we got here. I don't see it having happened any other way, really. I would have done the same things, except for these slight changes. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, again, we've got a 13, 12, 13 year old girlish vampire. We've got, I don't know. Do you, do you think we, we should although, leave? Hmm? Although they do speak of her as a monster that she has like, like make, you know, make her, they talk about her. It seems like her teeth. There's something unnatural and inhuman about her teeth. Her yellow pointy teeth. Yeah. So it's kind of like she was born as some sort of changeling is not the right word or whatever, but, but some sort of like from the beginning, they knew something was wrong because she killed her mother. Yeah. And don't, we don't even want to get into how her relationship with her dad. Well, right. <laughs> well, or we can get into her relationship with her dad. We can. This is even older than the movie. This, Go ahead. This, this is from 1994. <laughs> so she, I, I guess it's when she, well, theoretically, she is the same age all throughout. But there's a point in the story where all of a sudden the king's vitality starts being drained and he stops being interested in sex with the you imagine the the stepmother the stepmother or the soon to be queen yeah. soon to be queen or is she just not is she is she a queen as soon as they get married or is she no, not she become queen until she dies. she dies only when he dies okay. she becomes so she's the king's wife until he dies and then she's the queen and he's got what like bite marks on his what does she call it some sort of euphemism for his dick area. Yeah. <laughs> I forget how she phrases it. Yeah. And he, there's that. Basically, weird... the princess has been draining him. Yes. Of his blood. And we've got the other, the necrophiliac prince from a distant land. Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, for a 15-page story, this certainly incorporates a lot of different things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it it is an interesting part to explore because uh, and that even comes through in the Disney shit is oh, yeah. there are so many unasked for kisses and so many guys that seem down with necrophilia there's you know sleeping beauty there's snow white yeah absolutely why do you think i didn't like that part? i was so not into like there was just something no never seemed right about those i just i was up with the villains <laughs> we need lilu from fifth element to have the gun to their heads and say ecto gamut yep exactly um yeah so they, 
in Neil Gaiman's way, he throws this in here. And it's kind of interesting. You said you, you read this in a sort of love vampire anthology. Well, it was more like erotic. Okay. Erotica kind of uh, like vampire, like contemporary vampire uh, short stories. Okay. And yet the, in the, in smoke and mirrors, I feel like this story is after either a story about uh, it's sort of like a Stephen King story where some person is thinking about hiring someone to kill somebody and you mm. keep getting offered a better deal for the more people you pick. Right. That sort of thing. It's either after that story or a really modernized Billy goats, gruff kind of troll under the bridge story. So it's it's very fairy tale folkloric from the, the yes. way I read it. So I, I wonder if that if no, reading it, it in a different volume adds a different flavor, sort of like wine pairings. Right, right. That's um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe, but I I think it's a more interesting take on the snow white fairy tale than what the original yeah i mean just (laughs) it's certainly more of because there's still the quote-unquote happy ending where snow white has come back from the dead supposedly and with prince charming and there's a wedding creepy charming (laughs) oh yay but and the the queen and i love that they say like she even says this is a lie that she has told about me and that i ate her heart or something like that and then at one point she even says lies and half truths full fall like snow covering wait hold on i'm trying let me read what it, what it is lies and half truths fall like snow Covering the what did I write? I can't. I um, hate when I can't read my own writing. Read my own handwritings. Apparently, I wrote something twice, or but it's I love that lies and half truths fall like snow. But she's essentially saying that yeah, Snow White and Prince Douchebag have put out these lies about her. And they have turned her into the villain. And here she is being punished. And at the end, we see her being taken to a kiln to be burned alive. And she's still like, no. And she won't give up. And she won't give them the satisfaction of even making, of screaming. Because she knows they're, you know, they're the wicked ones. And that's what they want. And that's what they want. And she won't give them that satisfaction. And that to me is inevitably more interesting to, to this Snow White character who's supposed to be the princess who gets everything. And, and that's why even when they did Snow White and the Huntsman, you know, you used to have the Wicked Queen. She still was, I mean, she was more wicked than what you see here, but still was a much more interesting character and you understand a more complex character behind it. Snow White was never a complex character, in my opinion. 
But here, she is at least a little bit more complex. True. You know, that's why I'm saying I enjoy this better than a standard, you know, telling, retelling, like telling of this story. Because Snow White is so one-dimensional. And I think that's part of why in those Disney movies, too, I never was on board with the princesses. They were just so one-dimensional. And they were way too fucking happy. And <laughs> I just, I didn't understand that. Because how can you be, you're not happy all the time. Not everything is happy. You go through a range of emotions. The, the villains, you know, you see them go through all the range of emotions. You know, they're happy scheming with their maniacal laughs. They're crying when they're caught or they're screaming and, you know, they're angry. So, yeah, you get to go through emotions. Yeah, they've got arcs. Right. Instead of lines. Exactly. That to me is inevitably more interesting. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the things I, I've, I feel like a lot of time I enjoy a story when I find the villain more interesting than the hero. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think this was a good pair. You're talking about, uh, the, the probable protagonist taking, taking their pain and their punishment and their fate defiantly and not trying not to give their aggressor the satisfaction. And well, young vampires and, um, yeah, this is this is another short. I, I think my ramble about all the various Neil Gaiman I've read might hint that I would recommend reading this. <laughs> yeah, about I, you? I would recommend this too because it's certainly, like I said, you. It's a more interesting telling of these characters that you supposedly know. And I mean, you know, by this time, I would say most everybody knows the basic premise, at least, <laughs> of Snow White. And this is just inevitably more interesting. And it's pretty quick, too. You know, that's that's an added bonus. I think this is the shortest thing I've read for the show. Um, I, Yes, it is. It might be the shortest thing that's been on the show. The Henry Miller one was 42 pages and this was like 15 or something yeah. in, in my edition. So yeah, this is the, this is the least I've read for the show for a, you know, where we were actually reading. <laughs> wow. Um, so it's a quick read. You can find it lots of places. I think it's even on the comic book legal defense fund website. If you okay. just want to read a long scrolling computer page of it. Yeah. 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 Well, some various collections of Gaiman Gaiman's books and yeah. Winter I'm sucks. Like, yeah. Winter sucks, man. <laughs> yep. That's what we have to say. So, I guess we will um, wrap up that book discussion or story discussion. 
Um, we're going to take a break and we will be right back. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Maddie. Do you like horror movies? I sure do. Well, did you know that most horror movies are inspired by real-life horror? Really? Like what? Well, take The Shining, for instance. That's based on Stephen King's real-life addictions, or The Purge, which could be our country any minute now. Oh, and The Strangers, which is based on a real-life murder. People should be talking about these things. Hey, Guys. Oh, oh, hey, Producer, producer Michael. Michael. Oh, Hi. Well, I hate to break it to you, but somebody already is. It's you. <gasps> That's right. We are Friday the 13th, the podcast where we talk about horror in real life and horror in media, all from an LGBTQ perspective. Because we gay, y'all. We are proud members of the Legion Podcast Network, and we can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Come along with us on this crazy journey. And as always, get slayed. And we are back to finish up our Winter Sucks episode. Thank you very much, Vanessa. I think this was this was a good wintry chat. And yes. thank you, Darren. Uh this this was fun. I, th- I think we'll probably get into a lot of different vampire stories as time goes on. I think that's a it's an inevitable. Uh, it's an an inevitability with me around. So it's gonna happen. Yeah. We've already talked about some some possible books and movies. We oh, do not I, know if they will be paired together. I have lists, but we are always open for suggestions. So too. Yeah. So Vanessa runs our Twitter sphere at VD Clinic Pod. And I've kind of been bad about it lately, but <laughs> I'm trying to get better. Hit up uh, us on Instagram, which is a little less conversational, but I try to throw up episode art and, you know, uh, cutting room floor episode arts when they're not definitely on the in the trash bin for no reason. Um, pictures of vintage sexy ladies like, <laughs> like our patron saint Pam Greer and uh stuff like that and see what in our email and both uh twitter and instagram are at vd clinic pod yes and And as you were saying (laughs) uh yeah there's there's those and then our email is also what vd clinic pod at gmail.com yes it is and we're on obviously if you're listening you know where to find us but itunes and blueberry and legionpodcasts.com we are still a a a, what as as we say we are a proud member of the legion podcast network and what do you got coming up other than the next episode of this show, which in January we will be doing Heather's and Jawbreaker, a little winter break from reading. Yes, yes. Which means we'll have to come up with something heavy duty <laughs> to break us back in in February, right? <laughs> <laughs> we're working on that. Bunch anyway. Of love sonnets. Yes. But not. No, we're just going with a lot of. Uh, snarky uh teenage girls with murder on their minds so (laughs) (laughs) it fits in perfectly with this crowd kind of 
exactly. <laughs> Without the coordinated fashions, of course. <laughs> but I don't know. We have matching boxers now, right? <laughs> yep. Getting, we're got max, matching underpants and our periods are synced up. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know how to segue that over to devour the podcast. Uh, you were asking me where else I can be found. I am also on regularly on devour the podcast, also on Legion podcast network, all horror over there. And I think our Blair Witch episodes is finally going to happen. Um, <laughs> we're trying to get a figure out as of this recording date. We don't 100% have the, our uh, recording date for that scheduled, but it's very soon. So fingers and toes crossed. I still have reading to do. Yes. Uh, but that's not why we're taking that little break over here. But it just seems to work. It helps. <laughs> it helps me. <laughs> yeah. So. But anyway, um, yeah, so that's pretty much the only other thing I have going on right now. What about you? What else do you have on your plate? Let's see. Well, I there's probably going to be over at the Psycho Semantic podcast, there's probably going to be some sort of end of year wrap up, the sort of catching up on what's what to expect politically in the coming months with the changing of the guard over in Congress. And maybe another regular episode, uh, but that that sort of gets planned last second, depending on what the hell's going on. So it could be about a government shutdown. It could be about corrupt politicians. It could be a totally escapist episode, like the most recent one, which we talked a little bit about dirty cops in the as of recording this right now. The most recent episode was Assault on Precinct 13 or assaults on precincts 13 we started out definitely doing the john carpenter one and we ended up doing a little bit of comparison with with the remake over there with my co-host on that was mark fancy mark from fancy and friends and also my co-host at the midnight horror show which should be coming back in the new year so that was a segue there you go and yeah uh, that is the psychosemantic cast is also on the Legion podcast network. Midnight horror show is not, but I cannot tell you where that will be found other than, you know, iTunes and all that other shit. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess if, if you were listening to the show and you do not know what the midnight horror show is, it is Danny Trioxin which is mostly known for from that and Mark Ball from Fancy and Friends and Dark and Undead and Smoke, who you've heard on the Psychosemantic cast a couple times, and Duncan McLeish, who most everybody seems to know in the podcast world from the podcast Under the Stairs and 10 other shows. At any given moment. Yeah. <laughs> because he's a maniac. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that that should be fun. And when that starts back up, I will be on three podcasts and I cannot be on any more. Okay. And not, not, not anybody's planning to ask me, but I'm just saying that right now. <laughs> I don't have that kind of energy as, you know, Duncan and Ricky and Bo and that. 
you quad pod people. Right. I know. I know. It's a, uh, it's a lot time wise, <laughs> <laughs> not just energy wise. Yeah. But this has been the VD clinic podcast. Episode 20. Episode 20. Thank you for being here. And yes, thank you, Darren. And we will be back next month with Jawbreaker and Heather. So until then, hopefully your winter doesn't suck too much. Bye. Bye. Oscar. <laughs> Oscar. 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 <laughs> Did you say Oshkosh? No, I said Oscar. Shuck it, Trebek. <laughs> I'll take the penis mightier for a thousand dollars. Um. <laughs> oh, God. Thank you for listening to another episode of the VD Clinic. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us at Twitter at VD Clinic Pod or reach us via email at vdclinicpod at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook group, VD Clinic Podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback, suggestions, and more. <laughs>